Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Monday Madness. It's me again, Tavis Killian. And today is April 4th, first Monday of April. And uh, we had a pretty tough month behind us. And looking towards the future, I didn't think things could get any worse. But now we've got killer bees, killer hornets on the loose. I'm sorry. Not killer bees. We have murder hornets that are killing bees. It seems in Washington... There have been Asian giant hornets that have been found, and they are expected to decimate the bee population in that area if they're not taken under control. These murder hornets, in just a few hours, a colony of them can murder about 30,000 bees, and then they take their mandibles, mash up the bees that they've killed, and rip the heads off of them, and take them back to their young so that the young can eat. So they are no joke. They do kill about 30 to 40 people each year in Japan, where they're most common, so, fortunately, I mean, it's no coronavirus-level threat, but it does sound like the stings are painful. Uh, they're described as hot, red-hot thumbtacks being pushed into someone's flesh, which, you know, is terrible. I wouldn't wish that on anyone, so hopefully entomologists can get the situation under control. But that's not the news you came here for. I know we are not a bug podcast. We are an oil and gas podcast. So we'll start with some strange news. Uh, Iran's OPEC governor has been hospitalized. This is news that has been published this morning. Iran's governor for OPEC, Hussein Ardabili, is in a coma following a severe cerebral hemorrhage. This is coming off of the news from last month, uh, or actually way back in March, when he missed some of the OPEC meetings in which people said he was unwell. Now, most people would say this is probably the coronavirus since Iran was hit hardest by this, but Iran is choosing to report that this is actually just a brain hemorrhage. Just a coma. Regular old coma, not coronavirus. It's kind of strange to make that smaller comparatively to the virus, but I suppose that's where we are. And Iran has recently been shipping oil to Syria despite sanctions against both of these countries, according to data from tanker trackers. So even though China's reducing its intake from abroad, it looks like Syria may have become, now, Iran's largest oil buyer. And sticking around in the Middle East, we also have Libya's Brega Oil Company. Little bit of conflict. Over the weekend, um, one of the sons, or the armies affiliated with the sons of the Libyan general Khalifa Haftar, stormed the headquarters of Brega Oil, expelling the firm's director. This armed group replaced Brega Oil Marketing Company's director right after he made comments that made it seem that he did not support General Haftar's movement and would actually support the current government of Libya. At the beginning of last week, General Haftar said that his army would take formal control of Libya, answering the will of the people, and it looks like over the weekend they are making big moves, power moves. So we'll see how that plays out, because that it's a little bit more conflict than we're seeing in the U.S. right now, so it could be worse. could be war. could be insurgencies, and could be rebel groups rising up, trying to overthrow the country, and taking over these facilities, so... I, I suppose we have to count our blessings. <laughs> Even so, it may be difficult for some to count their blessings because, well, more layoffs from Halliburton. Not good news. Something we've been seeing for a while now, especially with uh, a lot of the service companies. These layoffs were expected to impact the location of Halliburton's office in Duncan, Oklahoma, and they were expected to occur by the end of last week, and they did. Approximately 240 employees were affected. This is the fourth major workforce adjustment the oil field service giant has made since late March. 
And since that time, about 623 company employees have been laid off at various locations in Oklahoma, and 3,500 employees have been furloughed in Houston at its North Belt campus. Never something you like to see, so my condolences to those people affected. If it makes you feel any better, uh, <laughs> I graduate on Friday, and I probably won't have a job, so at least you got your foot in the door. You got some experience, and uh, I, I'm really just looking for anything at this point. Just got to get through finals first, though, so I'll keep my head down, and good luck to you as you also continue to search. Uh, I'm looking forward to competing with you, maybe not in the oil sector for now, considering my experience is mostly limited, but I know we will make an effort to rebound and put food back on the table for those that need it. Real quick, since we're kind of going over the less appealing news, I'm going to choose to call it, let's, let's dip our toes into the rig counts. The U.S. rig count is down 57 rigs from the previous week to 408 rigs. With oil rigs down 53 to 325, gas rigs down 4 at 81, and miscellaneous rigs flat at 2. According to current numbers from Baker Hughes, of course. Year-on-year, the U.S. rig count is down 582 rigs from last year's 990, with oil rigs down 482, gas rigs down 102, and miscellaneous rigs up 2 to 2. These miscellaneous wells are usually stratigraphic tests, service wells, or injection wells used for very specific projects rather than oil and gas production. So take that number with a grain of salt. But even so, oil and gas rigs plummeting in numbers. Terrible metric. Well, I mean, good metric to judge the industry by. Terrible trend it's currently experiencing. It's expected that, you know, the rig count will probably continue to decrease on a week-by-week basis as more and more companies are going to have to shut in their oil because it's most likely a better solution than paying people to take it. Because, well, this month holds potential <laughs> holds potential to be very, very good and very, very bad. We'll start with the good news. Currently, you know, world supply is about, well, it's down 25 to 30 million barrels per day. That global imbalance between supply and demand is set to half to just about 13.6 million barrels per day in May, according to Rystad Energy. They predicted a further fall to 6.1 million barrels per day in June, but... Like we've been saying, storage will be an issue. So even though the demand will be back, we still have to work through this oversupply. We still have to work through all of the oil on the coast being stored on ship. We need to work through all of the oil companies are filling in their reserves, likely part of the strategic petroleum reserve, all of the private investors, all of the companies. We have a lot to get through. So it's good, granted, that this imbalance will decrease and we're just going to be I mean, hopefully 6.1 million barrels per day oversupplied in June, which is trending towards the right direction. But this storage problem will likely <laughs> likely be a big problem for the rest of the year. Now, that was the good news, you know, imbalance decreasing. And let's move to the bad news. For those of you who remember, and I would hope that's, <laughs> I'd hope that's all of you because it was historic, There was that crash. We had that nightmare WTI price collapse last month. And that was a result of the terrible contract future prices. So if sufficient production isn't shuttered by May 19th, the expiration of the WTI June 2020 contract, the potential remains for another equally as devastating, if not worse, crash. So it looks like we're writing this out month by month. Not a lot of good things going on in terms of storage, 
But thankfully, we've got that imbalance. Uh, things are coming back online. People are starting to trade. We're doing safer at home. Countries are opening up their borders. This is good. We're trending back towards normality. We're getting back to the way things used to be. And soon, hopefully, we get back to a point where supply is just a little bit less in demand and we can get those prices up. But like we said, it's going to take a long time to get through this storage that's booming, I mean bursting. We're bursting at the seams with this oil. And uh, if we don't get that under control by May 19th, which I'm doubtful that we will because it's only a little over two weeks out from now, well, two weeks and a day as of recording of this podcast, we're not going to get things under control. So... Fingers crossed that, hey, I would love to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't know what it would take for me to be wrong. Greater production cuts, I guess. Uh, it's about the simplest solution, but let's see what happens. Let's hold our breaths and let's watch those futures prices because they're probably going to be something pretty scary. But I think that about wraps everything up that I have to speak about this Monday. You know, from killer bees to Iran's OPEC governor being in a coma to... Libyan rebel groups taking control of, well, an entire oil company. Things are things are looking pretty crazy, but, you know, breaks from the norm, keeps us on our toes, and it's looking like oversupply is trending in the right direction. So thank you for joining me today. Well, I'll probably see you. Actually, yeah, next time I see you guys, I will be a graduate of the Colorado School of Mines, but I guess that just puts me on the job search, huh? So when I see you next time, I'll be a little bit more grown, hopefully a little bit more happy, if not sad because of the market. But hey, take care, everybody. 